Good morning. Grab your seats. We have a really special treat today. We're very excited. And it's my honor to introduce him to you. Although Sean Foyt needs no introduction, he's a very special person. Sean came to us, gosh, Sean, I can't even think of a dozen years ago. He was traveling through with Andy Bird. They're starting the, uh, the uh, fire, what's that? Fire and Fragrance Ministry through uh, YWAM. It was amazing. I remember we had an encounter at dinner with Sean at the time. And Andy, it was really great. Sean spent about seven, six, seven years here as his family grew, and he'll share that with you. You know, um, it's just a joy to have connections and relationships and history with people. Sometimes in the dark times that we have there, God raises up beacons of light that not only shout out and declare the truth in the middle of the darkness, but they call, they call your name. They gather, they call, they declare, and people rally around them. Sean has been that individual. When the church was being suppressed, he stood up and said, that's enough. He said, we will worship. Let us worship in any way, shape, or form, anywhere we want. You can't stop our hearts. And that is a really great thing. So, so but it takes courage. It takes strength, not only in a corporate way, but also in a very personal way. And courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the reality that faith is greater than. And it must, it compels us to act. Would you stand and join me with, join with me in welcoming such a person, the courageous Sean Foy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. You look good. You look good. Haven't aged a day. Um, man, I, I'm so honored and excited to be here and um, been looking forward to this for a really long time. And I don't know, it feels surreal, you know, um, coming back here and thinking of all the incredible memories that we have. Um, for those that don't know, we, we were living in Texas and um, the Lord really threw a curveball and, and, and told us to move here, which was at the time was so crazy because I'd never thought about living in Pennsylvania no offense or anything, but just wasn't on my radar. And, uh, and we ended up moving here, and uh, we showed up with zero kids, and we left with three. So there was a bit of an impartation. <laughs> um, it's in the water here, man. I tell people, like, you want to have babies? Move to PA. I don't know if it's an Amish thing or Mennonite thing. I don't know what the deal is, but it's, it's here. Um, but it was a really pivotal time for me, and I want to, before I do anything, I want to honor, honor Charles and Ann and John and Patty and just the team here at Life Center. And, you know, for us, it was, it was a refuge season. It was, we had no idea when God was calling us to move here that three months after we landed and we bought a little tiny first ever little starter home in Camp Hill, you know, with, you know, three three little bedrooms and it like leaned to the east and, um, you know, it was, it was just a, a really cool season for us, but I had no idea that, you know, three months after we moved here, I'd lose my father to uh, cancer and it would happen suddenly. And then while that was happening, my wife was pregnant with our first and that three months after my dad passed away, I would lose my father and then become a father. And so two of the most drastic transitions in the life of a of a male is, you know, losing their father and then becoming a father. And that happened to me in a very short span. And 
I wouldn't be alive standing here today if it wasn't for who Charles and Ann were in our life. And so I really want to honor them. Can we do that? They're, um, they're, yeah, let's honor them. They're on the beach in Florida watching the live stream, suffering for Jesus. And we honor you, Charles and Ann, and the house that you've built here. And, um, you know, my, my dad was a, a medical missionary and a pastor, and I grew up in the church. And when I moved here, I, it was the first time I had ever spent time and, and got to know a leader that was not controlling. I know that sounds crazy, but no amount of control and, and, and the personality like me, you know, if you guys know the Enneagram, I know that's the rave. Like I'm an eight on the Enneagram and, and our greatest fear is to be controlled. <laughs> Finding this about myself, you know. Um, and he, he never controlled and he just released so much joy and hope and guidance in our life. And I just am believing for across America for the spiritual parents like Charles and Ann Stock to rise everywhere, you know, because there are people like me that desperately need them. Amen. Some of you guys are in this room. You're called to be spiritual moms and dads, and there's kids out there that really need you. So I really want to honor them. Here's a, uh, uh, some pictures of my family. If you haven't seen them in a while, um, if you haven't been following us on social media or something, maybe you haven't seen them, if you can throw the one up. This was about a month ago in Washington, D.C., on the mall. And uh, so I have four kids, and uh, my two, my two um, boys, oldest and second oldest boys, were born at Holy Spirit Hospital down the street, and um, they're being boys in this picture. I don't know what they're doing. They're like, we're on a stage with tens of thousands of people. We're going to turn around and be weird. So anyway... They're doing boy things, um, but my daughter is, is 11 years old, Katura, and can you go to that picture in front of the White House? She's a prophesying machine, and uh, she really is, and, and we can't take credit for it. Um, she's she's a, like a, a, you know, like a pr- prophetic unicorn, and uh, really speaks the word of the Lord, and, and is just, man, I'm telling you this, I'm telling you guys, Gen Z is going to take this nation. The enemy has tried to come against them, to come against Gen Z with confusion, with chaos, with all this gender crap, all this stuff that the enemy's tried to come against their identity and destiny because they are going to take this nation for Jesus. And so, no wonder, you know, I was, and I just... I'm just going to throw this out there. I was thinking about this because, you know, we're navigating the tensions of this wild world that we live in, you know, where it's like, you know, like teachers are trying to tell students they can be a a boy if they want to be a girl. You know, it's like, it's like the wildest era that we live in, right? Anybody else with me on that? And, and so I was thinking about this, you know, living in California, of course, we got the vaccine mandates. We got all this craziness going on in our state, you know, 10 year olds can get uh, a state-funded sex change without telling their parents. And if that doesn't get you fired up, you need to wake up. Right? And so anyway, sorry, it's going to be a happy sermon. Don't worry. But, <laughs> but I was thinking yesterday when we were in Lancaster, and I'm about to show you the video of the move of God that took place there. We had over 7,000 people in a cornfield. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Traffic was backed up for six miles. Seriously, for real. And traffic was backed up. It, just was, it wasn't just because they were horse and buggies. Like it was, you know, car. It was, people were backed up because they couldn't get into the field. It was insane. And so many young people were getting wrecked at the altar for Jesus. <clears throat> and I was thinking about my daughter and I was thinking about her generation. How are these kids going to navigate this wild world? I grew up in the 90s, man. Like, I don't know. I mean, it just seems so chill. And what they're facing is wild, but yet the Lord spoke to me yesterday as I was seeing those young people just laid out on the ground, surrendering their hearts to Jesus, that he's equipped them for such a time as this. They were fashioned for this season. So we're in front of the White House and, and we're praying and, you know, I've been in the White House praying and this time we're outside of the White House praying and worshiping and and, uh, you know, we just love to be watched. This is a season for the church to leave the building. Come on. That's my girl right there. Let's go. This is a season for the church to leave the building. You know, the funny thing is the enemy overplayed his hand. He thought it would be real funny to try to release a demonic virus, release the fear of the virus, which was worse, and then close the churches down and then all the churches will be closed. Now what are we going to do in a moment of crisis when we actually need the church? Do we actually believe the songs that we sing? And so I know in California we started a movement where the church left the building. And the enemy overplayed his hand. He didn't realize that we were going to start on the Golden Gate Bridge. And that we were going to go into the heart of L.A. And we were going to go to the beach in San Diego. And yeah, we couldn't meet in our big nice mega churches. But now we were taking everything over. And something is powerful, man, about the demonstration of the gospel outside. Something is powerful about it that we're recovering in this nation. But anyway, I handed the mic to my daughter. She was at the White House and handed it to her. And I said, pray something. And she was, it was powerful. She just said, you know, I just feel like people in that building are really scared and God just is going to turn the light on. She said, let's pray that God turns the light on, you know. And so we were there and it was just thousands of us praying. And secret service guys were on the roof like lifting their hands, you know. God's got sneaky people in there. But I really believe that this, that this next generation, and it's primarily what we're seeing with Let Us Worship across America is a movement of young people that are wild and on fire for Jesus, that are resisting this intensity of the culture and pressing in. And we are in a season of revival. We had a, this, yesterday was our 140th city in America. We've probably gone to the top 50 most populous cities in the country, everyone that you can think of, especially those that were burning or on fire in the summer of 2020 that nobody wanted to go into. And I'm telling you, the church is rising up. Don't buy into the mainstream media narrative. Don't buy into the fear. Don't buy into this, to this whole idea that in order to love your neighbor, you need to sit at home with your mask on watching a live stream. That's not the gospel. Now, I'm thankful for a live stream because Charles is on the beach watching this right now. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but 
The gospel of the kingdom thrives in seasons of adversity. And when we were in, you know, when we were in Harrisburg for the season that we were here, you know, we gathered people. We did 24-hour burns. We did, we launched people to the nations. We did all this stuff, right? And to be honest with you, I didn't give a rip about America that much. I really did it. I was focused on the hardest and darkest nations in the world. You know, we were focused on the unreached places. We launched our first long-term missions team in Iraq from this altar. We prayed over them right here, and they're still there in Iraq today. We're going to be with them in two weeks. We sent people into Afghanistan. We were prayed off. We, I went into North Korea. I was prayed, prayed off right down here, you know. But yet in the last season, when everything shook down, when the nation closed down, when governors and these tyrannical leaders told us we couldn't worship, and American Christian was like, okay, whatever you say, we will follow you, okay. There's a reason that the Lord puts a fight in some of us. And... And I, I, I really, I, 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 it's not a rebellious thing, you know? And I think a lot of times, probably my own journey, I'm not gonna like process my own journey with y'all, but I feel like there's been seasons in my life where I've been misunderstood because I always had this fight thing in me and it didn't work everywhere we lived. So people were like, dude, just chill out, you know? Like, just, just dial it back, you know? And, but yet there was something that was forged in me in the underground church, Right? Being in North Korea, being in Saudi Arabia, being in Afghanistan, being, being in these nations that are cold and dark and hard and where people are persecuted. And I didn't see the fullness of that manifest until America closed down. Until our governor in California, which is tied for your governor for psychos of the year. It's not even up for debate. I'm sorry. That should not offend you. He's crazy. They're both crazy. And I pray that they have radical encounters with Jesus or they get the heck out. And we believe that. We believe God can bring encounters. How many believe that? We pray for our governor. We pray for our leaders. We do. But yet at the same time, when they contradict what we're called to do in the word of God, when they say you can't meet together, when they say, I mean, our governor told us we couldn't sing in church. Bro, who do you think you are? Not only is that unconstitutional, it's unbiblical. Thank God for leaders in our state like Pastor Cheon that sued the governor. Did you know, because of courageous leaders in California, did you know, because of their willingness to take a stand, Gavin Newsom has lost five times in the Supreme Court. And did you know that never again in the history of our state will they ever be able to shut the church down for anything? Never, never again. Never again in the history of California. And the, this is the season, man, where God is forging. There's warriors that he's trying to raise up, you know. And, 
It's, it's like all of a sudden we're starting to realize, and, and I love, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a warrior worshiper guy, and I love writing about, you know, defeating Goliath and slaying the giant, and we love all the warfare songs. But all of a sudden gets real in 2020. Do we believe our songs? Or do we sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear, and we're afraid to go to church? I'm not saying the virus isn't real. I'm not saying that there's not... I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that, but what I'm, what I'm saying, guys, is we belong to the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We don't allow a 99.8% survivable virus to hold us back from worshiping Jesus. And, you know, it was such an intense, I'm kind of getting off track. I want to show you what happened in Lancaster, but I want to say this. You know, I got really mad. This is a church that's going to mess you up. I hope some of y'all get so messed up today because I had some of the most life-altering prophetic words that happened in this building and really changed the trajectory of my life. And at the time, I don't know if I liked any of them when I got them. When you get a prophetic word that you don't like, it's probably real. You know, like we love the ones that we write in our journals and we put flowers around and then we put on our... We, 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 we tape them on our refrigerator and they make us feel good. But some of the most powerful prophetic words over your life are going to be ones when you first hear them, you're like, oh. 2014, we were here, Firestorm Conference. I was doing some worship and there came a point in the service. There was a bunch of young guys here where... Charles and a lot of the leaders, I think Lou Engel was here, and there was a, a bunch of leaders, and they felt like it was this passing of the baton to the next generation, and it was actually a cool moment. I think in my mind it was going to be better, but it was like, we're going to pass the baton, we're going to prophesy, and it was like Todd White, Will Hart, Andy Bird, Eric Johnson, and me, and, and it was this powerful moment, and they were praying over each of us, and I think Andy and I even got ordained there, and then Stacy Campbell gets up there. Y'all know Stacey Campbell, you know, crazy, crazy, but accurate, you know, and she gets up there to prophesy and she starts prophesying and I get at the end of the line because I want her to like warm up enough to where her best words will be at the end. It's like, duh, you know, like let her, let her get going on these other guys. And, and so she starts giving these prophetic words and, and they're amazing. They're like, Powerful. They're like beautiful, you know, and she gives one over Todd and everyone's just like, oh, that's so credible, you know, and gives one over Andy. You're going to launch this missions movement. Gives one over Eric. You're going to be this pastor that changes the face of the church and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, mine's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see what she gives me, you know, and I'm standing there and I'm like super pumped and all of a sudden she gets to me and I'll never forget it. I, I got to actually find the footage. Somebody's got to find the footage. She stops and she looks at me and I know, I've known her for a long time and she looks at me and I kind of like open my eyes a little bit and she looks really scary in this moment. I was like, oh gosh, she looks freaky, you know? And then she starts screaming about blood. I see blood. I see blood on your hands and I see blood in your eyes. I see a sword in your hand and I see war. And all of a sudden, she just goes really dark. It's like a horror movie, you know? Like, 
And the whole room is kind of like, what? And I'm just looking at her and I'm just going, dear God, make it stop. Dear God, make it stop. You know? And she doesn't stop. She just keeps going on about war, man of war, and there's blood everywhere and you can't stop the blood. And I was like, what? I remember looking at my wife out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, stop, please help me. She gave me this word. I thought it was weird. I told her at the time that was weird. She's like, I know it felt weird, but I was supposed to give it. And I'm like, well, can I not receive it? Is that possible? (laughs) So fast forward, we moved to California and, you know, I'm on a record label and things are going great. And, you know, I just, you know, everybody has this artist thing where you just want to be a part of this move. And we're, we're leading these tours and doing stadiums and all this stuff. And I have this moment in Los Angeles, downtown, we're in the Microsoft Theater across from Staples Center. We're doing a big conference event at Heaven Come. And I'm in my hotel room that night and I look at my wife and I'm like, this should be like the highlight of my life right now. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here. Like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it's, I love being with the people. I love the camaraderie, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm just supposed to be in these worship leader green rooms. Like, I feel like I'm, I don't know. I feel like I should be celebrating this moment, but I, I, I feel like there's something off here. I feel like, and so I go down that night to go lead worship. And in the green room, this guy gives me this word, says, you're going to run for U.S. Congress. Da, 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 da. And I turn around, I'm like, dude, who the heck are you? Like, I don't give a rip about politics, you know? It's the last thing I want to do. And then the Holy Spirit started harassing me. You guys know about the Holy Harasser? It's like in America, everything's like, oh, it's the, it's the, you know, Jesus that looks kind of feminine, holding the lamb, petting him, you know? It's like, it's like the Holy Spirit is just a blanket, you know, but the Holy Spirit will wreck shop in your life. He will harass you into your destiny. He will make you feel uncomfortable. And too many of you in here are trying to rebuke what you think, what you think is the devil and it's really the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of theology in this book around the Holy Harasser, you know. So that started to happen in my life and one thing led to another and I ended up running for U.S. Congress um, as a conservative in California, <laughs> which I do not recommend <laughs> that you do lightly, you know? And it really wrecked our world, right? All of a sudden, the things that I felt like I was standing for that I thought all of us agreed on, right? California's pretty black and white, you know? I mean, you have... The, the, you know, the transgender stuff, you have the abortion pill being handed out to, you know, to college students when they arrive in the dorms. You have the craziness attack against education. You have, I mean, what, what level do you pick? There's a million things, right? And so I thought with, in naivety that people were gonna rally behind us. We were gonna get support. Like, this was gonna be awesome. And it was the opposite. It was a season of great opposition. It was a season of losing friends. It was a season of people like misunderstanding us. Why would you want to do that? Are you just, actually we had people that tell us, you're just trying to build your platform. And I'm like, everyone hates us. Half the people hate us. Nobody goes into politics to build their platform. Like, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we run that race. I give it everything I got. I raise all the money, which it takes an insane amount of money. I think I raised $375,000 for my race, which I was running in a district right next to Nancy Pelosi, 
right next to Google, right next to YouTube. We were getting shadow banned. We were getting censored. We were getting death threats sent to our house. A lot of the spiritual leaders in our life abandoned us. I'm just being honest with you guys. And yet we felt this call of the Lord. And then I lost. And I was like, what the heck, God? Like, what did I do all this for? And I'm like, and I, I literally, I, I'll never forget. And I, I wrote about it in this book, by the way, which you can, which you can grab if you want to hear more of our story. But I, I was like, I'm never going to lead worship again. I'm never going to do ministry again. This is horrible. Like, everything's ruined. Everything that I built up with, with our missions and all of our stuff, now people think I'm just some political hack. And Lord, I felt like I was following your call. And it was reaffirmed and reaffirmed and reaffirmed so many times along the way. I mean, two months after I said that I was going to run for Congress, I was in the Oval Office praying over the president. You can't make that up. Right? And, and whether you like him or not, that's not the point. The point was, is that God, God's favor was behind this. But then when I lost, I was just like, what is happening? Then everything shuts down. The day after I lost my primary, the first case of COVID was discovered in the district I was running in in California. And it changed the game. Everything shut down. Fear, 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 fear. Our state was the most restrictive. You remember that? I don't know if y'all did it over here. It was like, run to Costco, get toilet paper. <laughs> y'all do that here too? Yeah. Man, the media just gets us. You know? And, and it was just this fear. And then the church closing down. And then you can't sing in church. And the can't sing in church thing got me. I was like, okay. You've gone too far. And I was pacing in my house and I was getting these texts, these texts of underground church leaders that I had helped raise up in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and all these places trolling me. They were texting me on, you know, encrypted servers. They were saying, Sean, your governor in California is crazy. These are guys that lose, could lose their head for worshiping. They said, we see what's happening in California. They said, hey, you know what to do. And they were just egging me on. You know what to do. You've been with us too much, man. You know what to do. And so we rallied people and we stood and we gathered on the Golden Gate Bridge. 400 people showed up at the height of COVID on the Golden Gate Bridge. Hispanic, Asian, African-American. It was the church. It was beautiful. We worshiped. We prophesied. We declared the Western Gate is open. We declared a new Jesus people movement is coming to California. We declared in the face of the craziest time that I remember in my life, we declared revival's coming. The next day, we show up on Huntington Beach in Orange County. A thousand people are on the beach. We start baptizing hippies and you know, we start baptizing people that are strung out, people that are depressed, people that are going to kill themselves, that are suicidal, show up and get delivered. Full-blown revival. Two days later, we go to San Diego, 5,000 people show up. We had a battery-powered speaker and no permit. I mean, we only started getting permits recently. <laughs> and... And people showed up and a move of God started to take place. But if you thought, the, if I thought the Congress season was combative and intense, this 2020, 2021 was on another level. I'm talking about like crazy town. You know, putting on the front cover of Rolling Stone, Jesus Christ Super Spreader, which is actually kind of cool. I like that. 
And thank God, I want to just say this. Thank God I had people in my life that wouldn't allow me to back down on the prophetic words God had given me. Thank God I had people in my life. And a lot of the people, be honest, were from the political realm. A lot of them were friends of mine, politicians, consultants, people that are used to the fight. And they're like, man, this is not a time for the church to be soft. We got to rise up. Well, CNN's writing this article. They're slamming me. Good morning, America had me on. They're trolling us. My friend would be like, who's a consultant. He'd be like, oh man. He's like, that's amazing. I'm like, it's not amazing. They're, they're, they're saying all this stuff that we're killing all these people. They're doing this. He's like, it's amazing. He's like, they're showing thousands of people worshiping. He's like, they're going to build the movement for you. <laughs> and he was right. He was 100% right. The Lord used the criticism to build a movement to our last year on the mall in D.C. We had the largest church service in America. 40,000 people were there. When I lived in Harrisburg, I used to go, I always had this love for D.C. I know people hate it, but I always had this love for it. And I would go down and I would jog around the mall and I would pray the prayers that I did with Lou Engel when we were there in the call that God would overturn Roe v. Wade and that he would raise up an Esther that would shift things in the government. And the night of our event in D.C. last year was the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett. You can't make this stuff up. And we are on the precipice of seeing the death decree of Roe v. Wade overturned in our lifetime. Come on. Y'all gotta get more fired up than that. We've been praying for this. We've been praying for this. Who would imagine that we would live to see the day? I know the lead lawyers right now that are leading the Mississippi case that they're starting to hear next month. They're starting to hear the first time the Supreme Court has heard arguments and entertained an argument to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's happening next month. In our lifetime. These are incredible days to be alive. Incredible days to see what God is doing. Listen, I want you to open the Bible. Actually, while you're doing that, I want to show the Lancaster thing, but maybe I'll show that at the end. Because it's like you want to go right from that to an altar call. Turn to Second Peter. I want to read this out. I feel like today is a day in this church in this community where God is going to activate the prophetic promises in the words that many of you have been holding on to for a long time. When I was pacing back and forth in my house, when the governor declared that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I had never thought since then about that prophetic word I got right here. I wanted as much as I could to forget that and throw it into the sea of never, ever bringing up again. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, it's the man of war hour. And I was like, what? It's the man of war hour. Remember that prophecy with all the blood and all that? Yep, yeah, this is now. And my wife looked at me and she, without us even talking, she said, this is that word. This is the hour that we have to rise up 
Second Peter 1, 19, I wanna read this. But we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I'm speaking today, I feel like from a place of authority of receiving a dynamic prophetic word here that ruined my whole life. Thank you, Stacy, and Firestorm Conference. I appreciate that. But yet set the trajectory for the course that I'm on right now that I never wanted to go on and led me into this season that we're in right now where we are seeing a harvest of souls like we have never seen. We, I, I never imagined. I mean, we've had the craziest wild stories. We've had Antifa guys show up to wreck our event and end up getting saved. We've had crazy protests. We've had Satan, Satanists come and dump blood on us and then get delivered. We've had, when we were in D.C., one of my favorite testimonies when we were in D.C. last, last month was there was a, uh, a Mexican food truck that was parked on the mall serving tacos during the altar call, the guy making the tacos got convicted, ran out of his food truck, ran down to the altar, threw his drugs on the stage, went back to the food truck, took all of his family and, and the workers out, drug them down to the altar call. They got delivered. They got set free and saved. Isn't that amazing? The church has left the building. Turn to someone, say, the church has left the building. The prophetic words have been activated. Raise your hand if you've received a prophetic word in your life. If you don't, I'm gonna give you one today called the Great Commission. This is a season where we cannot waste a moment. We cannot sit stagnant. We cannot keep hoping and longing and waiting. And sometimes in a prophetic culture, and by the way, I love prophetic cultures, man. Like, I want my kids in them. I want them to live in a reality that, that is above all the noise of culture. But sometimes the danger in as a prophetic culture is that we're getting so many words and we're getting so much stuff, we're consuming so much that none of it is becoming activated in our hearts. Think about Noah. Homeboy got one prophetic word and had to wait a hundred years for it to come to pass. I mean, if we don't see our prophetic words come to pass in a month, we get super pumped. Think about Abraham had a prophetic word. He'd be the father of nations and his wife kept getting older. Think about all the patriarchs in biblical history that really they saw the fullness of the promise happen in their midnight hours. Old men dream dreams, young men see visions. This is a season where we cannot have sideline Christianity. We cannot have spectator Christianity. We gotta engage. We gotta get in the game. We gotta take risks, man. We gotta take risks. It's part of the gospel. I can't tell you how many times, you know, we would go into a city and, and, and it's like this fear thing that gripped America. Like, and, and, it, and a lot of it was just fluff. A lot of it was just like, we got to call fear a liar. We got to say that you're bluffing. And we would go into these cities. Well, you can't do that. They say you can't do this. They say you can't do this. They're going to shut down the party. They're gonna, I'm going to like, let them try. 
I remember I was with Eddie James, my, my huge black brother from another mother. And we rolled deep across America. We went to all of the cities with racial, racial strife and conflict. And we said, you know what? We're gonna hit this thing head on. We're gonna come in here and do reconciliation. We're gonna do repentance. We're gonna bring healing. We're gonna bring hope in these cities. And I remember we were in Charlotte out of all places. And this was like 110 cities in. We were in Charlotte and this kind of like mall cop dorky guy comes up to us and is like, oh, you're going to have to shut this down because your stage is five inches too tall for your permit. <laughs> and Eddie and I, I'm looking and Jay and I'm like, bro, huh? And he's like, yeah, he's, I mean, I measured it and it's a little bit higher than your permit and all this stuff. I'm like, bro, we ain't moving nothing. He's like, well, we're going to have to get the police here and we're going to have to. And I was like, all right, come on. And then he said, all right, and he went off in a hustle and went off and did all this stuff. And then, so sure enough, these police come and, and they stand up there next to us and they're like, all right, well, you know, the first person that gets up there and, and makes a sound tonight, we're gonna have to arrest. And I'm standing next to Eddie and I go, well, he's got the first song. <laughs> and Eddie goes, if they can carry this brother out in cuffs, you go, good luck, you know. Of course, they did nothing. They stopped nothing. Nothing happened. Empty threats. And you know what? Because we persevered, and I told these guys, like, we've been to Seattle. We've been to Portland in the height of the riots. We've been to Chicago, the murder capital of America. We ain't about to stop in Charlotte. Give me a break, you know? But because we kept going for it that night, and I don't know if you guys saw this video. It was really powerful. We were downtown Charlotte, and people, we called people in these skyscrapers to step out into their balcony. So people stepped out onto their balcony and during the altar call message, people were raising their hands for salvation on their balconies. We have drone footage that's flying around on people's balconies, people just getting wrecked by the power of God, getting freed, getting saved. That would not have happened if we cowered in fear. There comes a point, man, where the church, we got to realize our father is the lion of the tribe of Judah. There comes a point where we got to rise up and we got to realize, listen, like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And yes, David's brothers thought he was being arrogant. They misinterpreted the fact that he was confident in the Lord. And that's going to happen. But let the trolls troll, man. If pastors and leaders would care less about what people think of them, the mainstream media, the city council, the governors, they're never going to like the church. Just give it up. When does it say in this word, the church shall be respected by all the land? It's the weirdest thing in America. Like, we want so bad to be liked that we're unwilling to step into seasons of radical contradiction that come against us pursuing the word of the Lord. And I want to encourage you guys, the greater the calling on your life, the greater the opposition that will come. Every city that we've gone to, I always have a saying, the greater the resistance, the greater the breakthrough. 
There are callings, there are mantles. There's a generation that needs to rise up with fire in their bones and say, you know what? Billy Graham went to heaven. You know what? Louis Palau went to heaven. Reinhard Bonnke went to heaven. That's the mantle I want. I love these TikTok evangelists, man. These guys are fire. I'm friends with some of them. They do full-blown deliverance on TikTok. Y'all seen it? They, they enter into that dark, gnarly world and bring the kingdom and bring the light. This is what we're called to do. This is not an hour for the church to move to Texas and move to Florida and hold out in our bunkers with our ARs. <laughs> it's like the conservative movement sometimes, man, they're like a bunch of defeatists. I'm like, no, we're called to bring the kingdom. next year we're focusing on the 12, I think the 12 most horrible, hopeless cities in America. That's where I want to go. All right, let's go. I want to go into Seattle. I want to go into Portland. I want to go into Chicago. I want to go into New York City. I want to go into Boston. I want to say, you know what? We're going to go kick the devil in the face in Philly. (laughs) We're not giving over these cities. We're not giving over these cities. We can't all just move to where it's red and nice. We got to go into the places because I'm telling you, there's a harvest, man. There's a harvest of souls. There's a harvest. People are hungry. People are oppressed. People are filled with hopelessness. We were marching on the streets in the Bronx a couple weeks ago, and there were three people that were shot on the street that we were on, and people said, don't worship. You can't worship there. I'm like, bro, we've been in, like, in Iraq. We've been in Afghanistan. We, We ain't worried about the Bronx. And we march. We do a Jesus march through the Bronx, and the whole park, man, it was like in the hood. The whole park just stood still. They were like, these Christians are crazy. And all of a sudden, they started to gather around us. And all of a sudden, we began to minister to them. We began to see broken hearts restored and healed. But we can't do that if we're paralyzed by fear. And we can't just tune into you know, hard right media that makes us scared and worried. We can't just say education is gone. No, let's raise up educators filled with the Holy Spirit. The prophetic words are like a light. God has given you the words. This house is pregnant with prophetic promises. I've logged them in this room, man. Hundreds of hours of worship in this room we've had. We've worshiped through the night. We've prayed over this state. We believe for Pennsylvania. This is the keystone state. This is a seat of a nation. This is a holy experiment. We've cried out for these prophecies of God. Why not now? At some point, a generation has to rise up with a little grit. And say, we're not going to let the government tell us what to do. We're not going to let fear hold us back. We're going to rise up in courage and boldness and be the light and be the hope. I still have a court case in Phoenix, Arizona. And a couple other places. But you know what? Everywhere we go and we get 
backlash, it just shows how much the enemy hates the move of God. I want to show you this video from Lancaster, and I want this to be imprinted on your mind. Then on a Saturday in October, over 7,000 people would gather in a cornfield. Anybody that tells me Pennsylvanians aren't hungry hasn't seen this. There is a, and I'm not talking like, this was a knockdown drag out. This was three and a half hours. This wasn't like cool church, 40 minute cool church. This was like, let's get rowdy for Jesus. We're not leaving until we get everything that he promised. And last night we had a profound move. People drove in from New York. People came in from Jersey. People came in from Maryland. People came from all over the region and we converged. And I'm telling you, this is a prophetic picture of what is possible in this season. So let's watch this.
come on. Why don't we stand up? One of my favorite things that Pastor Charles ever told me, we were walking through the neighborhood one day and I said, you know, what do you think is going to be your legacy at the church and, and as things shift to the next generation? And he goes, man, I would rather they burn this place down going for revival than just keep the lights on. God, it wrecked me. I'd rather they just go hard after revival forsake everything else. In America right now, we need courageous Christianity. We need courageous believers. We need bold leaders that believe this book, that believe the words over our life. It's not an era of passive Christianity. The post-COVID church looks different. God didn't cause it, the virus. He didn't author it. That's not in his job description, but he used it to wake us up. He used it to reveal false foundations and ideologies and theologies. The enemy overplayed his hand and he's going to pay for it. We're taking back everything. We're taking back our streets. We're taking back our schools. We're taking back the universities. We're taking it all. I've seen every card he has to play and I'm telling you, it's time to double down. The enemy's a liar. Fear is a liar. And whatever is holding you back today, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. I believe there are callings and mantles that heaven is just waiting for somebody with the guts and the boldness to rise up. I'm not the best worship leader. I'm not the best speaker. I lost my voice. We don't know what we're doing half the time, but we were stupid and foolish enough to say, all right, let's go. And we're rallying a whole nation. And I believe right now, courage is the currency. Courage is the currency. It's the currency of what we need right now. And I'm telling you, things are gonna get crazier. It's only, it's only been 10 months and it's already bonkers. But that's all right, man, because the darker it gets, the brighter we shine. If you're here and you want to get activated, you want to get activated, you want to be radical, you want to say, I am in, I'm tired of being passive, I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines, I'm tired of looking at all my prophetic words in my journals, I'm tired of looking at them, I want to live them. Come on, if that's you, I want you to get down here. We want to pray over you. Come on, get down here. I feel like God's going to release something. I'm going to have my partner in crime, Jay, come up here. He's a gangster from L.A. 
I feel it in my spirit this morning. This is not just a conference moment. It's not just a hype moment. I feel like based upon the testimony of what we've experienced, God is gonna unlock keys. This is the Keystone State. This is a place where keys, keys are gonna be given that unlock doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. Come on, just lift your hands all over this place. Now I want you to look at me for just a moment. I, I felt a word for this service and I feel like something's about to shift, but I need you to hear me. My church is just like this church. My pastor, your pastor, best buds. We do a lot of conferences. We've heard a lot of prophetic words. When Let Us Worship started, I was pastoring for over 20 years. Pastor Che raising me up to do great things. And when Let Us Worship started, I had no clue that I would go back to the old version of me. What I mean by that is this young ex-drug addict who didn't know anything about God, I was just happy that I was saved. And when I prayed prayers as an ex-drug addict, I had to believe in those prayers. I had to believe that God could change me. And the older I got in church, the more I became familiar. And I want you to know, this church has fire, amen. But you gotta go back to the person that didn't know anything. And you had to believe in what you were asking God or there was no hope. In just a moment, we're gonna call down fire from heaven. And I, I, want, you to, I want you to pray like it was your first time. I want you to believe like God can do it. Because in church, we can become so familiar with church and conferences and messages and feelings that we're so mature, we become unaffected for the kingdom. But when you first got saved, you didn't know anything, but you were radical. I'm gonna ask you right now, can we cry out to God like this prayer we're about to pray that we could believe that in one moment right now, that we could be more passionate than we've ever been in our whole life, that we can become radical again. Are you with me? I'm gonna ask everybody to start crying out as loud as you can right now. Cry out. Come on, raise your voices. Come on, talk to the Lord. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, cry out. Come on, come on, come on, cry out. Raise your voices, raise your voices. She cut up us, fire. Come Holy Spirit, come now, come now. She cut up a little Come on, there it is, there it is, keep crying out. Come on, come on, come on, fire. We just pray, we just pray. Activation, 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 
activation, activation. We call forth the dead things to life. We call forth the dead dreams to life. We call forth every prophetic word into its fullness. We call forth the season of advancing, a season of taking ground, a season of revival. Come on, just keep praying, keep stirring it up. Come on, keep stirring it up. Come on, keep crying up. Come on, take it, fire, hey, shukore baba na mokanda, hey, hey, Lord, we pray for revival in Pennsylvania, God, we pray for revival in this state. Awaken the church in this state. Wake up the church in this state. God, we ask you, awaken, awaken the leaders in Pennsylvania, God, for such a time as this. Come on, come on. I dare you to keep going. I dare you to keep going. Lay your hands on the shoulder beside you. Lay your hands. Come on, lay your hands. Pray for him, pray for him, pray for your neighbor, pray for the Holy Ghost. Come on, she caught up on it in a little coat. She caught up on it in a little coat. Listen to me for just a moment. Look across. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me. The church, in this new season, we have to heal believers. I don't care what your perfume smells like. I don't care what clothes you have on. God sees your struggle, and He loves you, and He wants to overcome this thing in your life. But you got to quit hiding, man. It's ruining your family. It's ruining your marriage. And right now, on a count of three, I don't care if you're a pastor or a leader, there's grace. I know Pastor Charles, he's my buddy. Right now, I'm gonna say it really quickly, if you battle with pornography, I feel that pornography is trying to destroy 
men. And just because it's in your pocket, you can't help it. And I want you to know, there's a lot of you in here and God loves you. There's nothing wrong with you, but we need to war for the fathers. Come on, somebody. If you battle, I'm gonna count to three, lift your hand. God's gonna set you free today. One, two, three, lift it up. Lift it up, hold them up. Don't, don't lie, hold it up. Get around them, get around them, lay hands on them. Lay hands on them, lay hands on them. Get with them, get with them, get with them. Come on, lay hands on them. Come on, hug them, lay hands on them. Somebody lay hands on this man. Come on, come on, get around them, church. Get around them, get around them. Come on. Come on, get around them, get around them. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be free. I want everybody to say this after me because some of you didn't tell the truth. Everybody say this after me. Say, I am a child of God. I am who he's called me to be today. I take authority over perversion. Get out of my life. Never come back. Go to the foot of the cross. Leave me alone. I am pure. I am loved. God died for me. And today, I will never, ever, ever partner with this again in Jesus name <laughs> come on one, just lift your hands right now all over this place God's glory is here one more thing we want to do we feel like there's a grace for this I lived here for years there's a there's a spirit of heaviness that comes on people in this region, there's a spirit of torment. There is a, 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 a depression and oppression that rests on people. I know, I felt it. And there's people here that have been battling suicide intensely. And maybe you've never publicly acknowledged this. You've never been real. You've never been honest. And I'm telling you, this is the season where God's bringing deliverance. I'm tired of hearing about people in my generation. People that go to church, killing themselves. I'm tired of reading about it. I'm tired of seeing it on Facebook. It's an aggressive spirit. And, and we have to combat it with aggression and with love. And there's a grace here. There's, this is a no shame zone. If you battle with that, we've all, I mean, what a difficult season we've all been through. There's no shame. But if you're here and you've battled with suicide, I just want you to lift your hand. Just be honest. Come on, I see that. Come on, lift your hand. I see these hands. Come on, be honest. Be bold. There's a few more of you. There's a few more of you. We want a war after your destiny. Come on, lift your hand if that's you. I want you to get around these people right now. Hug them. I want you to hug them. Get around them and hug them. Embrace them. A mom with a mom, son, fathers with sons. Hug them like you would your own son. Hug them. Come on, we've been to churches and the worship leader raised her hand. She didn't, nobody even knew. I'm telling you, 
we're gonna expose this lie of the enemy over your life and we declare over you that you have value, you have purpose, you have identity and we, we tell you devil, every devil in hell that's coming against their life and destiny, you cannot have this son and daughter. Come on, war with me. War with me over their life. War with me over their life. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I just speak destiny over you right now in the name of Jesus. The Word of God says before you were in your mother's womb, not only did He know you, but He set you apart. The enemy is trying to come against you because he hates the calling on your life. God has called each one of you to destroy death. That's why the enemy brings death. It's because the Lord says, I've called you to bring life. I've called you to bring salvation. Preach the gospel, says the Lord. Preach the gospel, for you will be like a double-edged sword with fire in your eyes and healings in your hands. I bless you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just lift our hands and sing this before we go today. Seal this, God. Come on, lift your hands up. Come on, let's sing this together.
Can you just open up your hands for just a moment? Just receive. So many times we pour out, we shout, we get excited, and then when he wants to move, we just, we just have to be still sometimes. Can you just be still for just a moment and let him renew that fire in you? Oh, there it is. That's the glory. Oh. There it is. Take it. He's coming. Take it. Take it. Some of you are getting hit. Some of you are feeling fire all over your body. Just take it. There it is. There it is. There it is. Irabasoko. Look at me for just a moment. <laughs> I would love not to take, have to take all this stuff back to California. Really, I'm not kidding. We've got so much stuff out there, but if you could got, go buy all of it, that would really bless our team. It bless you too. The Bible says to bless your enemies. What cool thing to do is buy them a Sean Foy <laughs> book. <laughs> Take it to work. Say, hey, here you go. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to make an announcement that we have officially secured a permit for Independence Mall in downtown Philadelphia. So, where the Liberty Bell hangs, uh, September 24th is when we're gonna do it. And uh, we're gonna be in DC again, of course, New York City. There's a bunch of stuff we'd love for you guys to join us with. Please follow us, our journey, pray for us. We just, I know you guys are prayer warriors and it just means the world to us. We have a brand new album. Uh, I think it's the best thing we've ever done that's coming out on Wednesday. Um, this one, that was the last big one that we did, went number one on iTunes in every genre all over the world for a worship album, which is kind of wild. And so it's amazing. We're seeing the sound of, of raw worship in the streets of America go viral. So anyway, stay in tune for that on Wednesday. What's up, bro? Are you guys thankful for Sean and Jay and their ministry? Come on. This is what, this is what revival looks like when, you know, the account of Acts chapter 2, this is what it says, and it was a corporate encounter, but then it says, but divided tongues of fire sat on each one. So it was a corporate encounter, but they walked out with a singular fire on each one, which is your own, which is our own. We get to personalize this encounter and walk it out, that we give an account to the Lord for. Thank you, Lord. And that's when revival begins to spread. That's how the fire begins to spread. Hallelujah. Well, before we leave, I know it's, it's getting late. There's children's ministry that are going overtime. But we don't want to miss the moment, the occasion to pray for Sean. I, he, he referred to the moment when there was a commissioning and sending out in 2014. But if you're in a war, if you're in a battle, there are several rounds. 
You know, there are the archers that come. There are the horsemen that come. There are the chariots that come. And who wants to pray for the grace of God to increase on his life for 2022? Can we do that together as a church? Sean and Jay, come on up here. Dylan, come up and, and pray with me. Josh, come up. Some of our pastors. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> come on, Dylan. Pray for Come on. Thank you, Lord. Um, I was praying. I just felt like, you know, David came faithfully bringing the lunches to his brothers. And, and in your faithfulness to say yes to run for office, you ended up in front of a giant. It was your faithfulness that took you to the battlefield. And, and so, Lord, I pray, God, that this arena that he found himself in, God, that you would totally and completely, just as he has, has been your confidence, Sean, that you would be the God who took out the lions and took out the bears and all the ways that you've met him from a young boy, a young man growing up all through the years that he's been here and all over the Middle East and all over the nations. God, I thank you for those times where you've confirmed your goodness, your power, your authority. And now, God, that he is face to face with the giant that he's found himself in front of because of his faithfulness. You will not fail him. His stone will fly straight. His, so, his stones will make an impact. And Lord, I thank you that, that the greatest impact is the ones that come after you. The greatest impact is every single person that gathers because they see giants fall where you go. Thank you, Lord. And I pray that, God, I pray for this forerunner thing on both Sean and Jay and for this movement, God, that there would be sparks and catalysts. They would be sparks and catalysts all over this nation and the nations of the world in Jesus' name. And I even pray, God, that you would give them souls for every mile. I saw your odometer tracking up and up and up. And I pray for souls for each mile, every night that you're away from your kids and your family, every mile, God, I pray for souls. For every mile, God, I pray for souls in Jesus' name. Every mile we pray for souls in Jesus' name. And the last picture I had, and you'll get this because you're dad of a daughter, but I saw Ariel and she gave up her voice for a chance to be attractive. And I think that you are breaking the curse over the church that we have given up our voice to become attractive to the world. And so God, I pray, would you release a sound out of this man and out of this ministry that restores the voice of the church of Jesus Christ in this nation, in Jesus' name, for this generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, God, that we will not be voiceless. We will not be voiceless in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Hey, we also have in our midst my father-in-law, David, David Rudolph. He's in a wheelchair in the second row. And he's, a, he's not well-known in this circles, but he's known to, uh, you've met him before in Geneva with uh, Stacy and Lou and the team. So, Dad, did you have a word for Sean? Yes, Sean, I read in a good book, it says that he who wins souls is wise. W-I-S-E. Wise wells. W-I-S-E. Wales, Ireland, Scotland, and England. Those wells, 
I believe the Lord has opened a door, reopened some, but opening new doors of ancient wells that connects revival in America from the roots of England. And also, I feel Hernhut very strongly in Zinzendorf. These are places where the Lord is going to invite you to come or to return. And it's for you, and it's for your family, and it's for building up. Psalm 14, 5. For God is with the generation of the righteous. There is wisdom, wise wells. Wales, Ireland, Scotland, and England are waiting for the connection between America and its roots. Come on, so good. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just stretch out to Sean. I want to speak this Psalm 67 over you, over all of your company, over this ministry, over this movement. Here's what it says. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. And God, our own God, it's almost like a challenge. You have your God. Well, God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And the result of the blessing of God is that all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on the earth. Your short stint in California in the governmental sphere is a seed that you sowed in obedience and in faith and that was sown into the economy of the call of God on your life as you sowed it in faith even through that moment of feeling God you've lost you've lost it all God says I will bring it around there'll be an alignment of legislators that will begin to track these gatherings of worship movements not just in, in America as dad said about this word of wise this movement will become will begin to build globally and there will be a new structure and a new strategy if you're called to war there's language that you do not have yet but it's always been in the heart of God that he sends worshipers ahead of a mighty takeover so God we bless come on reach out to him we bless Sean in this moment yeah, but let, we ask you for a new commissioning for a new season into 2022. God, we thank you for round two in 22. We thank you, Lord. We ask for the bell to ring, signaling a new season, signaling a new round. In between the rounds is when you go to your corner and the coach tells you, hey, that round was good. I saw the moves on the other side. And now you're going to adjust this. You're going to move this way. You're going to swing this way. God, I thank you for ears to hear and greater courage. This word that you carry today, we pray it back over you. Greater courage to believe in, in the Lord even more radically. Can we all shout a big amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on, let's give the Lord a great offering of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, we do want to dismiss you with the blessing of God. Go quickly to your children and uh, relieve our ministry team there. We'll see you back Wednesday if you're here or next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for coming. 
If you are in need of any kind of prayer or ministry, we do have a team up at the altar. We'd love to pray with you.